Thank you for listening to another message from New Sound Church and our lead pastor, Josh Monty. For more information about us, you can check out our website at newsound.church or you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We want to thank you for joining us today. We would love to hear how these messages are impacting your life. Share your story with us at story at newsound.church. Enjoy the message. So if you are checking us out, maybe for the very first time, uh, we are in the fifth week of a series that we've called uh, Famous Last Words. And that series is really uh, looking at these last moments of Jesus's life uh, from the cross. He said seven things, some statements, some questions, and we would probably be willing to argue that it was the worst day of his life. And we thought if we can figure out what he was doing to get through the worst day of his life, we might be able to take some of these principles and begin to understand how we can get through uh, some rough days as well. Kind of our theme verse for the series has been out of Hebrews chapter 12, and it would say it in this way, keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished the race that we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever, and now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. In the first week, we saw this moment where he's, uh, he's hanging on the cross. He's been beaten and stripped down naked and hung up in the, on, on, on this tree, and he, and he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And the first lesson that we learned was that the forgive and forgive. I mean, we're going to forgive people that have accidentally hurt us, but we're also going to forgive the people that are doing it on purpose. There are some, some kind of some funky folks in the world that just kind of get a little bit of joy out of hurting other people's feelings. And Jesus said, I'm going to forgive the people that did it on accident. And I'm going to forgive the people that did it on purpose. Then he looked to the people that were hanging up there. He wasn't alone. There were criminals on either side and he ministered to them in his moment of pain. Guys that knew exactly what he was feeling because they were going through the exact same physical pain. We said maybe to get through a bad day uh, that we can help people in my same struggle. People that are going through. So yeah, you, so you're, you're, you, find yourself, you are in the middle of a divorce. You do have a wayward teen. You have distance from your spouse right now. You are having trouble finding purpose and passion at work. And he said, maybe there is a way that you can take the things that you're going through instead of pretending like it's all okay, actually taking that hard thing and helping somebody else get through a bad day. And then in the next moment, he looks down at his mom who's there at the foot of the cross. And as you can imagine, the pain that a mom would feel seeing her son going through that. And then Jesus taught us the next lesson as he began to minister to his mom's greatest need and making sure she'd be taken care of even after he was gone. And we said that sometimes to get through a bad day, I need to remember I'm just not the only one going through a bad day. Like, yes, it was his bad experience. Yes, he was in a lot of pain. Yes, he was hurting. But he wasn't the only person in that room that day that was hurting. There were a lot of people that were hurting as they saw him going through what he was going through. He took a moment to get outside of himself a moment and meet the needs of somebody else. We learned last week that you can aim your hard questions at God. In fact, like your questions will never make God less God. He's okay with it. He's not offended by it. And he's not diminished in your questions. That you can feel okay with going to God and saying, I don't know why this has happened. And then this next moment, I think, especially in the season of life that I'm in, of, of all of it right now has seemed to be this moment that on the surface might not seem like much. 
But as I was preparing this week, it ministered to me the most. In John chapter 19, it says, Later, knowing that all was now completed, we're at the very end of it all. And so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. You go, Josh, that's the one. That's the, of all of them, that's the one that's ministered to you the most. And it would be this. Lesson number five. Be human enough to acknowledge your need. It's maybe toughest in the local church, and it's definitely toughest for, it can definitely be tough for pastors sometimes to just say, hey, I just really don't know what we're supposed to do next. I really never anticipated that this thing would grow the way it's grown, and we'd reach the people that we're reaching, and I'm figuring it out, and I don't really know what to do, and I'm a little scared, and I'm a little insecure, and I really don't know how it's all going to work. But in this world, we got to kind of fake it. Till we make it. And I got to thinking about why we seem to do such a bad job with this, especially as it would pertain to the local church. And there's a, a few things I think that are keeping us from being great at being transparent. The first would be there's just the fear of being exposed. I mean, it's just the fear of somebody actually knowing what you're actually going through. And so we come up with all of these you know, like kind of cliche statements about how we're doing. Uh, oh, if, I'd, if I was any better, I'd be twins. You know, like that's I mean, like such a weird statement. Um, I'm chilling. How you doing, man? All chilling like a villain. Don't penicillin. Like how is that like an oak? Like isn't that a weird statement? I am relaxed like a criminal in need of antibiotics. That's just a weird, it's a weird sentence. But we're, we, fear ex, we fear exposure. We fear somebody actually knowing the thing that you're really going through. In fact, I would say that we, in our life, go to great lengths to cover up the areas in our life that we're afraid that if people actually began to know who we really are, and what we're really about, uh, and what we've actually done, and the areas where we've actually fallen short, you're really scared that people wouldn't want to be around you anymore. In 2 Corinthians, though, it gives us this hope. We refuse to wear masks and to play games. Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open, the whole truth on display so that those who want to can see. Then in relationships, we would say, as I love in 1 John, he says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we will have fellowship with one another. Like we're just not going to make a career out of hiding everything from each other. Being a version of ourselves that is very different from the place that we are, we're in the privacy of our own home. Or maybe even, you're not even being honest in your own home, maybe it's just in the privacy of your own mind. And we're doing such a great job of putting up mask after mask after mask. I, I grew up kind of as a, 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 the master of this. I mean, really, I mean, I just, I just, um, I just learned how to do it. I, I, uh, my father, he, he, he left when I was a kid. He was gone for years and years and years and, and 
and so uh, my mother, I was at home with her and she was a very abusive lady and it was uh, not, a, not a great situation to grow up in. And I began to understand that if I performed at a high level, people loved me. And if I didn't, people did not. And I began to develop this performance-based mindset about my life where I knew that, no, that, that people, your parents, your teachers, siblings, friends, relatives, that they would love you if you performed. And I got stuck in that. And I'll be honest with you, I get around so many of you and I think you're stuck in kind of that same place. And some of you have been stuck in it for so long, you don't even realize that the th that's the thing where you're stuck. And I grew up, I was, you know, as a, I was a bright little kid, and, um, but I was pretty nerdy. Um, I was a little bit, it took me a little while to bloom. And, and, uh, and so I got picked on a lot and I was, you know, thrown into, you know, I was the kid getting pushed in lockers and getting beat up on playgrounds and getting beat up in bathrooms and swirlies and the whole bit. Like that was, that was me. And then I um, got into middle school and, uh, and then, you know, the old, the old puberty fairy dropped by and um, it was an exciting time for all of us. And um, I then proceeded to take the next two years and then beat up all the kids that had beaten me up for a long time. So I don't, and I'm, I'm not proud of that, but that's my journey, you know, like that's a... And, uh, and if, uh, and if Stanley, if you're watching this, you, uh, you know, you had that coming. So it's, um, it's on you. It's not on me. And, uh, but then I, but once I did like, then I started, I really stepped into a place where I got pretty good at athletics and it was great for me because it was an avenue that as long as I excelled in that thing, the men in my life would tell me that I was great. And I began to establish like my sense of worth as a young kid growing out up without that voice in my life, I began to establish my sense of worth by how many coaches told me how great I was. So as a freshman, I was a starting varsity player. I was captain of the football team, captain of the track team, captain of the wrestling team. Like I found, I began to find some identity in that. But then I also really began to find out that I loved theater. Like I love the stage, I love the microphone, I, I love telling jokes, I, I actually like singing. I actually started out as a worship leader. Um, surprise, surprise. So like I can play guitar and I can sing. I'm not good, as good as Trenton, but like I get my way around. But that was back in the day. Like when I first started, like back in the day, like I'd preach and be like, all right, I'm gonna invite the worship team back up. And, uh, and it was me. <laughs> like I'm just gonna go ahead and do that. And uh, you know, you gotta work with what you got. I found out, though, in that season, I really loved, uh, I loved to sing, I loved, I loved to act, I loved all those things. And I really thought, man, I think I could really do this. Like, I could really sink my teeth into this and be good at it. And, and uh, it was me and a buddy of mine, and we just kind of dove into this thing. And, and uh, football was becoming less and less important, and this was becoming kind of more and more important. And, and I'll never forget, it took me four months to get the guts to go to my coach at the end of my sophomore season after the season was over. And I went to him, and I, I got the guts, and I just said, Coach, I'm so sorry. I know you're going to be mad at me, but I'm not going to play football next year. And he just had this look on his face like, why, son? I said, coach, I'm, I'm going to be an actor. <laughs> and he was so mad. But it was okay because I had some people in my life that were going, no, you can do this. Like, you got this. Come on. That was in May. That was in May of of the end of my sophomore year, three weeks later, my mother walked into a room and said, we're moving to North Carolina. 
And I thought, oh my gosh, okay. And I'm, all of a sudden my life is completely starting over again, going into my junior year of high school. And I'll never forget, I was sitting in this high school, sitting in the hallway, waiting, waiting to register for classes. I had the list in my hand. And I was going to do choir. And I was going to go into theater. But I was still so very unsure about who I was and, and what I could do. And, and I'll never forget, sitting in the hallway, and the head football coach just happened to walk by. And he saw me sitting there. And even as a 16-year-old, I was built about like I am right now, just a little cinder block with legs. <laughs> and he said, son, please tell me you play football. And I had this moment, 1,001, 1,002. I'm pretty good. I never did choir, theater, or any of those things ever again. But I went off to play a little college football. And all the while, just wearing the mask. Because I learned what you've learned. That if I let you know who I really am, what, I'm, what I really enjoy, or for some of us, the sins that we've actually committed, the mistakes that we've really made. If I ever let you know, you wouldn't want to be in a relationship with me. Society has trained us in it. And my life had prepared me over and over and over that if I didn't perform, people would let me go. This morning, Zach was, uh, he's running sound right now, but he was, he, he was helping us in prayer, helping us lead prayer this morning. And he shared this verse, and in my whole life, I'd never heard it. And it ministered to me, and this kid with out of relationship with my family, and he says this in Psalm 27. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. And some of you today, you feel that, and you're living for that approval, and I need you to hear me say today that your heavenly father loves you. Your fear, your, you fear being exposed. And that leads to this idea, if you know me, you'll hurt me. See, i got to open myself up to have a really good relationship with you. And to let you know all of the things that I'm dealing with and the dreams that I have in my heart and sometimes the things that are great about my life and sometimes the things that are bad, if you know me, you're going to hurt me. And so we build up walls and, and we learn how these, just these cliche one-liners that sound like relationship but really just mean distance. Psalm, 20, Psalm 32, it says, When I kept it all inside, my bones turned to powder. My words became day-long groans, and the pressure never let up. All the juices of my life dried up, and then I just let it all out. And I said, I like theater, and I like singing, and I don't care who knows. I have a problem in this area of my life. 
I, I, I'm tired of carrying it around every day and wondering if you're going to judge me. So if you're going to reject me, do it now because I'm tired of it. The pressure is building up on me every day and I can't stand it anymore. And the church was created to be the pressure release valve of your life, but it would seem to be the place where we do the greatest job of building the pressure and building the pressure. I'm going to tell you, as a kid that grew up rejected and performance-based, the church has not been a great friend in teaching me that if I don't perform, you will leave. It feeds that thing in me almost on a weekly basis. Oh, where's so-and-so? Oh, they don't go here anymore. Why? I don't know, but don't take it personal. What? Don't take it personal. Which part? The sermon? I wrote that. The songs, I picked those. The name of the church? That's my idea. The colors? I did that. The lights? I bought those. What part? The smoke. Now, I don't have anything to do with the smoke. That's its own thing. I don't even know who does that. I th we might have an electrical fire. I haven't traced it. But I'm afraid if you know me, you'll hurt me. Or if you know me, you're going to reject me. So we put on the mask, and we put on the mask, and we create the distance. Marriage is tough for this because it's hard because, like, like, that kind of proximity, it's just really hard to hide stuff from them for years and years and years. Like, when we first got married, I went to great lengths to make my wife believe that I was a clean person. And then finally, I just woke up one day, and I was like, I'm exhausted. I'll be honest. My personal philosophy is just use all the dishes that you have, throw them away, and start over or move or, like, just paper plates. Why do we have real plates? Never understood it. I don't understand closets or folding. My ideal house design would be no closets, 10 dryers. <laughs> Think about it. And I'm just like, I need a shirt. It's a little wrinkled. Not a problem. Boop. <laughs> and I told my wife we'd been married for years, and, and, I, and I told her this. I said, I just, if I'm being 100% honest with you, I just, I don't know if there's, I don't know that I still believe that there's nothing that could happen where you wouldn't leave me. I'm still there. Now, I will tell you in honesty that in the moment that those words came out of my mouth, God began to minister to me in such a way. It was funny that next week I kind of started to think through all of the things about me where I, like, that would be hard to live with and all the mistakes that I had made that she knew about. And I thought, with that whole list of stuff, and she's still here. I've got this in the bag. <laughs> Maybe she just doesn't think she has other options. Like, I don't, I'm just going, I'm good. <laughs> and ladies, when you ask us, like, hey, what are we thinking about? It's nothing, is the answer, nothing. We're not thinking about anything. It's not some deep, like I'm not, I'm not diving into some deep, like theological truth. Like I'm just, 
My wife caught me by surprise the other day because she's always like, you know, oh, don't be so guarded. Like sometimes it's being guarded. Sometimes there's just, it's just nothing. Just. And then she speaks. And I'm like, huh? The other day she caught me by surprise. And I was like, uh, ho, ho. And I was like, I didn't even know you're still here. She's like, I've been talking to you for 20 minutes. And, and um, she's like, what were you thinking about? And I was like, nothing. And I was embarrassed to tell her that what I was thinking about was, and this is a true story, honest to goodness, that I was, <laughs> I was thinking in the Chick-fil-A commercials <laughs> where they have the cows, how much of that is acting? Is that cow acting? And then how much of that is CGI? Because I can believe, like, it's not hard for me to believe that a cow can hit its mark. Okay? They're great. But for, to, to believe, like, you're making me go too far to think that, to make me believe that they wrote the signs. They didn't do the eat more chicken. I mean, how are you teaching these cows to draw? And it's just stuff that I was thinking about. And I didn't realize in that moment we were actually in a fight. We were actually in a fight. And I just... It's my, it's, it's, it's my journey, you know. <laughs> but we keep up these walls because if you're 100% honest, um, there is, there is, um, there's a level of barriers that we create for the world that we live in. And my question to you would be this. It's not, is there anybody that you've let in close enough to know whether or not you are flawed? I met you in the lobby. I already know, right? You, the secret's out. So we already know that. Here's my question. Is there anybody in your life that you've let in close enough to speak to that flaw without punishing them for it? Have you given anybody in your life that kind of access? And the reality is, we really don't like that. And we keep people just far enough away, and we actually kind of treat uh, our growth as it pertains to the local church and with Jesus, we kind of treat it in such a way that after we move past the, 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 the mass, come into the group, we, we just kind of make the decision, all right, that's close enough. That's close enough. And I want to help us in the time that we have remaining begin to understand, like, how can we practically begin to step through that so that you can live in some freedom? Discipleship is not a six-week Bible study. And I believe that you will probably have grown as much as you're going to if you have limited your church experience to uh, this one hour on a Sunday morning or whatever podcast you might have come across. Because... The point of this Christian life wasn't so that it could be understood. It was so that it could be lived out. And information without application will never lead to transformation. And I'm glad that you're here, but I believe that God created this community called the local church so that we could work these things out together. So how do we do it? Number one. I got to first, I got to find a crowd. I got to find a crowd. For me, the crowd that I've decided to sell out to and to give my life to is the local church. It's messy and it's not perfect. 
And so if, if that's been your excuse for not getting connected up until this point, I want you to know that we know. We haven't kept it a secret from us. In fact, can I tell you this? In the crowd, I know things about me that you don't know, right? I know things about me. In fact, there's probably some things in your life that you would be mortified. You'd move states if, you, if, if anybody in the crowd ever found out those things. So I, there are things that I know about me as we're talking. Oh, hi, hey, how's it going? Oh, man, doing pretty good. But the thing that's ringing in the back of my mind is tell them. Tell them what's really going on. Tell them you don't want to be here. Tell them you're frustrated. Tell them your job's a joke and you thought at this point in your life you'd be farther along and you just feel like you keep circling the same mountain over and over and over and over. Tell them you're frustrated about your kids and, and you just don't understand why they keep making the decisions that they're making. And tell them you're frustrated about your marriage and it looks just like your parents' marriage. And which at one point in your life you thought that was a good thing, but now you've just replicated all of those same things and the sins of the father become the sins of the son. Tell them, tell them, say something. But then there's this voice that rings out even louder that says, if they know who you are and if they know what you've done, they won't like you. And if the voice of rejection rings louder than the voice of acceptance, you have grown as much as you will grow. Because you will stay as sick as your secrets. I do a lot of coaching for pastors and churches, and it's a fun thing. But it seems like I say the same thing every time. See, you think, so they always ask me, hey, what kind of mailer did you use to mail out to the community? What kind of things are you doing on Facebook or and they're always asking me for that silver bullet. And I said, That's, you're asking all of the wrong questions. It's true in the church. It's true in your business. It's true in your marriage. It's true with your kids. We have bought into a myth for years that we will grow at the rate of the thing that we are best at. Your marriage, your kids, your life, this church, you will grow at the rate of the thing that you are worst at. but how dare anybody ever tell me that? See, in the crowd, we can hide because in this moment, I still know things about me that you don't know. Well, I've heard it said all the time. You know, it's like you hear people say like, you know, turkeys flock together, but an eagle flies alone. Hey, it's noble, but eagles are endangered. And there's so many turkeys that we all get together one day a year and see if we can eat them all. <laughs> there is something to sticking together in a community. I don't go as far as to say that it has to be New Sound Church, but I would beg you to find a local church and connect and go all in. It doesn't have to be here. There's a lot of great churches in our community. But sitting in the crowd, you're never going to understand it. In fact, if you ever say it or you ever hear anybody else say um, I went to New Sound and it wasn't for me. You don't know New Sound if you've never been in a group. We're not a church with them. 
We're a church of groups. And outside of that, it's not just the preaching because I never bought into the idea that I was good enough, that I could give you everything enough that in one hour you could make it through the week on your own. Sticking together matters. I'm all for eagles, but let's just be turkeys. <laughs> Number two, you got to find a group in the crowd. So you got to find a place, find a church, find a community to dig into. I believe that the local church mobilizes the hope of the world. That's the community that I would look for. That's the place where I would try to go and dive in. So find a, find a community, but then find a group within that thing. You need a tribe within the tribe that it's easy in this place to hide. But here's what begins to happen next. You get in a community and then you know things about me now that I don't know. So we got in relationship with each other and you began to realize, oh, he's actually, he gets actually a little insecure if you say something about, about his arms. He gets very insecure. I think he's flexing all the time. He's just in a permaflex. He's probably cramping. I should say something. Or I'm insecure about my kids or, or there's, there's, you know, or I get angry at the wrong times or, or, or maybe I speak to my wife a little too harsh or, or just whatever. Like when you step out of the crowd and into a group within the crowd, I'm going to warn you that the people in that group are now going to begin to know things about you that you don't know yet. This happened for Jesus. The Bible says that he went away all night. There were... Nearly 200 people that called him Messiah at that point. And at that point, the Bible says he went away and he prayed. And he prayed all night long. And he said, I got to find a small group. And the Bible says he came back down the mountain and he picked 12 men to be apostles. And that became the group within the group. But then you have to understand that there's this third step to the process is even within the group I've got you've got to find your people in that group you know you can actually get in a small group and still find a way to hide in the small group all the time that you never actually really get to that place where you say hey I'm really struggling with this or more than that where somebody's able to look at you and say hey you shouldn't talk to your wife like that man you know better than that hey you you got to you, you got to quit looking at that stuff on a screen or hey you like you 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 can't speak to your children like that and expect that the first chance they get they're not going to bolt out of here and not come back i i got guys talk to me all the time they're like man i just don't understand i mean just you know, my kids, and they're just blah, 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 blah. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, like if, I, if, if you were in a company and you spoke to another human the way that you have just spoken to your teenager, um, they would sue you. They would fire you and, you'd be, they would, and they, you would get sued for harassment in the workplace. How, how can we separate and create this life? So if you don't have anybody in your life that's willing to look at you and say, hey, you're better than that. Don't make that decision. Don't buy that. Hey, man, why are you wasting your money? I came to your house the other day. You had this big old thing. Why are you wasting your money on that stuff? If you don't have anybody that's able to do that into your life, I, I would be willing to tell you that I think you're stuck. But life has taught us, if you know me, you're going to leave. But if you find your people, there's this third place that you can go to. Jesus did it in Matthew 17, 1. 
After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and they led them up a high mountain, look at this, by themselves. He had the 12, but he had a group of three in the 12, and these guys knew everything. He showed them things that nobody else got to see. There was a relationship with them that he didn't hold with anybody else. Proverbs 18, one who has an unreliable friend soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Because here's the great thing. There's a season where I, I know things about me that you don't know. And then I'll take a step out of the mass and into this smaller group. And you'll begin to know things about me that I don't know. But then we get to move to this place that I think is where health and growth begin to happen. Where now I know things about me that you know. In fact, they're things that you brought to me. And that's the place where you can grow. That's the place where you can become all that God has for you. And I know that history has taught you that people are going to leave. I know that history might have taught you that you will be rejected if people know. But I need you to know, not everybody can handle all of the stuff that you've been through. Not everybody has a grace for all of your habits and hang-ups. But I'm telling you, there is somebody in this church that is just your exact same flavor of weird. And they're going to help you. See, I, I have my people. I love this crowd. I love the group. And I have my small group. And I love it. And I look forward to it. And I count down to it all the time. But within that place, I have my people. I was... Uh, my parents split up when I was a kid, and I dealt with all that, shared that with you before. Years later, as a grown man, I reconnected with my father. We began a relationship, and, and uh, fantastic. And um, January, um, I took my wife on a trip overnight, one night. And um, when I came home, he was gone. He was gone. And there it came, right? All that stuff. I was that six-year-old kid again. I was 13 years old looking up in the stands for somebody that would never be there. All over. And I had this split-second thought. Forget everybody. When I heard from Rebecca, Christy called. Francois came by to check on me. Grammy stopped by to tell me that she loved me. And I went, these are my people. 
And I don't know what you're going through. And I don't know what that thing in you is that you're so scared that if anybody found out, they would leave you. Let me tell you something. This church was created to be the place where you could get free. This church was created to be the place where you could find the crowd, find a group within that crowd, and in that place find your people. I used to live and die by people leaving and coming to church and find out on Facebook they don't like you anymore, you know. And somebody asked me the other day, why, don't you, why doesn't it seem to bother you like it used to? And I said, oh, because I, I got people. I got people. And the measure of my success will not be whether or not we have 5,000 people at Easter. Or get on somebody's list. The measure of my success from this day forward is whether or not the people closest to me think well of me. That'll be the thing that defines me. And I've had to let people in. And I've had to let them call me out on some stupid stuff. But I'm telling you, my life is better forever. And I think theirs is too. Because there is a room that I can walk into where the mask is completely off. And I'm just asking you today, do you have that place? It doesn't have to be here, but we'd be honored if it could be. We want it to be. But what I know is that you can, you can memorize a verse about forgiveness or you can get around people where you're going to have to forgive. You can read a verse about patience or, or you can serve in youth ministry. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Discipleship isn't remembering a bunch of stuff. It's letting God mold you into who it is that he created you to be. And that's going to come from knowing his word. But that's going to come from being in relationship with his people. And letting them help you shave off some of the rough edges. And step into everything that he has for you. Look, I know that a lot of you are in this place where you know things about you that we don't know. And you may not know this yet, but we've begun to figure things out about you that you don't know yet. And if you'll know that there's nothing that you're going to say that's going to scare us away from this relationship, well, then how about we talk about it together? And let's step into freedom in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. We would love to have you join us at New Sound for one of our weekend experiences. Check out our website for times and directions at newsound.church. We would love to hear how these messages are impacting your life. Please share your story with us at story at newsound.church.